0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture today comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, 13 through 18, and 22 and 23. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses. But serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you aren't under the law. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My name is Brett Kogan. I'm the Associate Minister of Adult Faith Formation and Education. It is my honor and joy to be able to be here with these talented singers and to be a part of this worship service. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we know that you're here. And not just here, but you're around your people and all over this world. You hold it within your hands of love and mercy, of tenderness and kindness. Lord, I am sure that your heart is broken over what is happening, over the lives that are suffering, Draw near, Lord, and bring us comfort. Draw near and use these words from Paul that were written so long ago. Help them resonate in our soul and let us find what we need within them, that your voice would speak through them so that we would hear from you and know that you are with us always and in all things. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was 16, I got my first taste of freedom. My parents went away for the weekend, and they left me at home alone, and in my mind, I was in charge. Let me set the scene just a little bit. Both my parents worked. My mother was a school psychologist, and she was very actively engaged in the emerging or the the new emerging of special education in the school systems where we lived. My father worked in the transportation industry as one of the national trucking companies in Northeast Ohio. Needless to say, they worked a lot, and I was home often, many times by myself. I mean, staying home alone was no big deal. I knew how to do laundry. I knew how to cook for myself. I was well prepared for all of this in my mind. I mean, my dinner was planned out for both nights where they were gone. I had a nice ribeye steak I was going to throw on the grill. And then, as a, in my 16-year-old mind, the, the perfect accompaniment, believe it or not, were Gino's pizza rolls. In, in my mind, these were a match made in heaven. And, and I was ready to enjoy them, and as soon as they left... You know, I set to cooking and I had a wonderful dinner, but it was over soon. And I began to think, so what am I going to do with all this freedom? And I began to wander around the house and just kind of looking around to kind of get the lay of the land, even though I'd lived there for I don't know how many years. But I walked past my parents' office, a room that I rarely went into, And it was a normal office. I mean, it it had bookshelves and and it had chairs in front of the desk and this big kind of wooden desk and, and then this leather chair I'd never sat in. Hey, I was in charge. I'm home alone. This is my moment. So of course, I go behind the desk and I sit in that chair and I get comfortable. And I put my feet up on the desk. And then I look off in the corner and I see my stepfather's humidor. Hey. I'm, I'm in charge. I am the one, the man of the house, so to speak. So I have to go investigate, of course. And, and I lift the lid and, and the lifting of the lid releases this aroma of big man on campus goodness. And I realize I have to do more than just smell these. I need to try one. I've seen my father do it. I mean, you snip off the end, you light it up and you smoke that stogie. Of course, no one told me that you didn't inhale these, but that was a lesson I learned very quickly. It didn't take me long to get comfortable again, and I was behind the desk, nestled into that chair, enjoying my freedom, my, my feet up on the desk, smoking that cigar, and I did remember an ashtray. And I didn't hear my father come in. I was enjoying the rapture of the moment. And when the door opened downstairs, I just didn't notice until I saw him walk past the door in horror. So what I did is I got my feet off the desk immediately, I put that ashtray and the cigar down on the floor, and I probably said a prayer, Lord, don't let him kill me. But when he came back into the room, he was very calm. He actually sat in the seat or the chair in front of the desk and he smiled. And he said, so you're, you're feeling grown up. Mm-hmm. I, I nodded an affirmation. You're you, you feeling like you're the, the man of the house. And I, I'm sure I again nodded an affirmation. And then he said, so um, are you enjoying my cigar? You know, and I was tempted to say, what cigar? But in that moment, I was wise enough to know that I was completely busted. And besides, I'm sure there was smoke rising up from the desk behind me. So I very sheepishly said, yeah, I, I am. You know, I realized that moment that I wasn't going to die that day, but I didn't see what was coming next. He said, go ahead and dab the cigar out. And I did. And then he said, break it into two pieces. And I said, okay. Then a very calm, clear voice, he said, take a bite. I didn't tell you this before. My dad was a Marine. He was six foot two. You didn't not do what he told you to do. You said, yes, sir. So I did. It didn't take but a moment that he said, you're looking green around the the gills, hit the bathroom before you throw up on your mother's carpet. I can tell you that um, that was one of the moments that I'll never forget in my life. And the irony of the story is that my mother, after my father or my stepfather died, gave me his humidor. I assumed that he never told her, nor have I, but the lesson was learned. There's a cost to freedom. At this moment in time, because of the COVID-19 virus, I suspect many of us are feeling the restrictions upon our freedom. We're not able to go and do the things we want to do that we normally do. And for some of us, these restrictions are a welcomed relief. We're thankful to be at home, where it's safe. For others, these restrictions I'm sure may feel confining, a disruption to our day. There are limits of our desire. It's an assault upon our ability to do the things that we want to do the way we've always done them. And we may find ourselves growing annoyed at all things coronavirus. It reminds me of a story that I shared a while back at our Roots Revival service about an eight-year-old boy whose father was a Methodist preacher and his mother was a stickler for clean hands at the dinner table. One day after he'd been outside playing all day long, he got home and dinner was already on the table, so his mother hurried him to his place before his father's prayer, hoping that she might forget the whole hand-washing thing He began to reach for the chicken, and before he could even begin to move his hand, he said, stop right now, young man. Off to the kitchen and wash those hands and use soap. He groaned as he left the table and he stopped at the doorway, and he turned around and really said this to no one in particular, Jesus and germs, Jesus and germs. I've heard about these all the time in this place, and I haven't seen any of them. You may feel this way yourself. This this un, un, unseen virus is raging across our planet. We don't know where to look. We're not sure what to touch. So I invite you to listen to these words that we heard this morning from Galatians 5. Because within them I think we find a foundational truth of our faith. By God's grace we are set free. Free from fear. Free from rejection. Free from even death itself. God's grace revealed in and through Jesus and his teaching is the ground of every freedom that we can know. And yet within these words of freedom, we also find a word of caution or warning. You are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses. In other words, just because you feel free and you have a measure of freedom, don't use it to do whatever you want and desire. There are limits to our freedom. There's a cost when we go too far. And right now, during this national and worldwide crisis, we must take seriously this virus we cannot see, but nonetheless has the power to impact our lives in ways only a few weeks ago we seemed or thought was unimaginable. One of the natural consequences of this virus and these restrictions is fear. We wonder, will we have what we need? We'll be able to get it if our supply runs low. Most likely, you read the story about the two brothers in Tennessee who collected 17,000 units of hand sanitizer products. You may have been like me, out looking for toilet toilet paper all week, unable to find any. You may also have read the story about a woman in California whose mother was living in a senior adult community and they were asking for all of them to have N95 masks. She went all over her community looking for them, unable to find them anywhere. Finally, at her last stop, when she asked the clerk if she has them, she pulled her aside and said very quietly, if you will call me after work, I can hook you up. She was desperate, so she did. She met this clerk and she bought 10 masks for $100, which is a 1,000% markup. I'm reminded of what Glenn shared with us last Sunday. Be calm and carry on. I think these words of the apostle Paul tell us a very similar message. As he describes the summation of living to our faith as loving our neighbor as we would love and care for ourselves. Warning us that if we allow our fears to guide us, rather than the Spirit of God, our fear will only grow deeper and more consuming. Instead, we as people of faith, those who trust the love, the grace, and the provision of God for our lives are called by Paul to reach out for and trust in the leading of God's Spirit that is always with us and always near These words tell us our freedom is not about doing what we want or getting what we need to satisfy our own needs and desires. But rather, our freedom in Christ is about learning limits as well as the expansive nature of God's grace. This expansive nature within God's Spirit is where we will find all that we need to calm our hearts. And distill our fears and worries. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. These fruits, as Paul calls them, are given to us as we trust God's provision, God's nearness for our lives. Our access to them is given simply by letting go and having faith. They grow within us as we seek to follow, trust, and learn from God's Spirit that is within us and around us. Now, some of you may be thinking, that that sounds like a really great idea, but how do I practice that? And, And that is a great question. I mean, to follow God's Spirit is less about knowledge and knowing the right things and more about trust and a willingness to believe in the goodness of God and God's provision for and God's presence with us. It begins in our head, in our mind, within our thoughts, but it must also move deeply into our hearts where we allow this emotional center of our lives be truly conformed and held by this belief that God is with us. Trusting that God knows our needs and that God will always give us what we need, but not always what we want. These times we're living into right now are like none other that we've ever seen before. And yet I know, I believe, I trust God is. And flow of God's spirit is a learned experience. It comes with practice and a leap of faith. It reminds me of how I learned to ride a bike. The house that I grew up on was on a hill elevated above the street. And you would think that our driveway would be a perfect launching pad to learn how to ride a bike. You would think that gravity would naturally increase the speed, making balance easier, which it also would make learning to ride the bike easier as well. But did I mention the street I lived on was a tar and chip road? It's basically a hard packed surface that they put tar on it and then they sprinkled chips, tiny little chips of stone that felt like razor blades when you fell on them. So in essence, what my street was, was a giant strip of sandpaper. You can only imagine what happened when you wiped out. After a few crash landings at the bottom of the hill, I was ready to give up learning or even trying to learn to ride my bike. I had lost faith that I could do it because my fear of falling had become greater than my desire to learn. So my friends rode their bikes all around. I either had to ride on their handlebars, which is not very comfortable, or run to try to catch up with them, which wasn't very much fun. On my sixth birthday, my grandparents bought me this, which was my dream bike, even though I couldn't ride a bike. It was a metallic orange Schwinn Stingrays. Had the high handlebars, had chrome fenders, had a matching sparkle cream banana seat. I mean, this bike, I mean, it was a kid's dream come true. It was the coolest bike I'd ever seen, and I was terrified to ride it. I remember my grandparents asked me, so are you going to go out and take it for a spin? I found some excuse to put them off, and I did this all day long. At the end of the day, I sat in the garage looking at it. I wanted to believe that I could ride it, but then I looked at that tar and chip road at the end of our drive and I remembered my wipeouts. Finally, after my family and friends had left, something inside of me said, try again. Give it one more try. So I pushed the bike to the edge of the drive and I got on it and in a leap, or maybe in this case, a ride of faith, I pushed off. Sure, I was afraid. I was terrified. But I was done with letting my fear of failure control my belief in myself. I was done with letting my fear of falling control my behavior. I wanted to ride my bike. St. Ignatius of Loyola is reported to have said to his Jesuit brothers, work hard and struggle if everything depends on you but pray even harder and trust God as if everything depends on God. I believe in this moment, we as the followers of Jesus have a unique opportunity to show the world around us what we believe, not by what we say, but in a far more evident way, a far more transformative witness by how we live and conduct ourselves around the people around us, how we care for them, by allowing the freedom we know through trusting God's love, care, and provision for us, we can then share out of our abundance, whether it is faith or hope or calm or even toilet paper, with the people around us. As Paul encourages us in Galatians five, thirteen and 14, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. All the law, all the law is fulfilled, has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. I close with this prayer from Richard Foster from his book, Prayers from the Heart. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, be the gardener of my soul. For so long I have been waiting, silent and still, experiencing a winter of the soul. But now in the strong name of Jesus, I dare to ask. Clear away the dead growth of the past. Break up the hard clods of custom and routine. Stir in the rich compost of vision and challenge. Bury deep in my soul the implanted word. Cultivate and water and tend my heart until new life buds and opens and flowers. Amen.